Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. Hello. Um, today on the show, we are talking to Dr. Nicole Birkins. She is a holistic child psychologist, and we are going to be talking about how to get along with your family over the holidays. <laughs> And we needed a professional to help with that because you don't want to hear how we do it. Um, but we thought we would bring in an expert this year because so many people are dealing with the political landscape right now at their Thanksgiving or holiday tables. Um, maybe relatives you don't see very often. So there's also that weird awkwardness of how do you, you know, bridge that time and space gap, um, particularly for kids, and then maybe also how to prepare your kids. I know my when my girls were little, like it was very overwhelming when just a huge amount of people all of a sudden came over or we went over to a place where they didn't know anyone or ever felt like everyone else really knew each other really well and they didn't. So we're going to talk about all those things and how to get along with your family and how to make it just better. Um, so we will be right back with Dr. Nicole Birkins. We are back with Dr. Nicole Birkins. She is the founder and director of Horizons Developmental Resource Center in Caledonia, Michigan. And we are so excited to have you on the show today, Dr. Birkins. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. You know, we, I'm going to be very um, honest with you. We kind of will always talk about issues like dealing with your family, Thanksgiving and things like that. And then we just give our own opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And horror stories. Because we know so much. Right. So we thought maybe this year we'll have an expert on who could actually (laughs) help um, our audience out with really what is the most stressful time of year for many, many people, which is the Thanksgiving through New Year's, um, the family gatherings, the dinners, the and it's not even just family, right? It's also just social occasions, maybe potlucks, things where, you know, there's a lot of stress um, and a lot of potentially awkward situations or just things you need to navigate and with children especially. So we'd love to dive in and kind of talk to you about how parents can, you know, best prepare for these family gatherings and, you know, both themselves and their children. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, right? Like this is supposed to be the happiest time of the year and yet it can bring so much stress with all of the things that you mentioned. And um, I think that any of us who have been to a major family holiday event have a certain amount of expertise um, and experience in that. So I'm sure the things that you've shared with your audience are really relevant. But yeah, I can I can speak to that from a personal as well as professional standpoint. You know, it's funny, I feel like this year, um, you know, maybe the last two years, everyone felt like politics was getting more and more heated. But this year, there's like an extra layer um, with the impeachment. And I think just people in general, you know, getting closer to a new election, it seems to have reached a fevered pitch um, of people arguing with their family, maybe starting on Facebook um, and now wondering, well, how am I going to see this person at the Thanksgiving table when I've just argued with them for, you know, 65 comments on this thread. Another reason to put some boundaries around social media use, right? Which is a whole nother (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Um, I think that boundary setting is really important for people to think about at the holiday time. Um, Even people who tend to be pretty good at setting boundaries with people in their lives at other uh, times of the year and other situations tend to forget that we do have control over 
the conversations we get ourselves into, the um, events that we agree to show up at, all of those kinds of things around the holidays. And while some people at our holiday table or events may want to engage in contentious conversations or ask overly intrusive questions or just create uncomfortable situations, we have a choice about how much we want to engage um, with that. Um, just because, you know, our great aunt Edna asks us, uh, you know, a question that makes us uncomfortable or brings up an uncomfortable topic of conversation, we can find ways to deflect that and not necessarily engage um, in that. And I think that pre-thinking about some of those things and how we want to handle that, especially if you know there are certain people in your family or in your friend circle who tend to do that, thinking ahead of time about how you want to handle those situations can be really helpful. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, I think what what did people do in a situation where maybe there's a big family and a couple people don't really speak to each other or you know or or it's you and you don't speak to like a cousin or a brother or something like that um you know what do you do in those situations where you, you have to be together but you really you just don't speak or and there's bad blood there um, so I think one of the first things to examine is whether we do have to be at some of the things that we may feel like we need to be at. You know, um, sometimes we do want to spend time with people in our family, even if there's going to be a person or multiple people there that we have a contentious relationship or maybe don't have a relationship with them at all. But I've worked with families where really the healthiest and best thing for them is to step back and assess do we need to be a part of some of these gatherings at all? Is this healthy and appropriate for us? And sometimes it is okay to say no, depending on the situation and what has transpired in the past and you know what, what the nature of that is. So I think to reassess first this assumption that we have to be at everything. Um, but if we do decide to go into situations where we know there's going to be one or more people that could potentially be an issue... We need to choose to take the higher road and, again, do some pre-thinking about that. Um, what kind of attitude do we want to have going in, being intentional about being positive, engaging with the people that we want to be there um, with, and you know, just thinking about how we want that uh, to go and also how we're going to respond um, if somebody says something inappropriate to us or if someone that we have a negative relationship with tries to engage with us, kind of having a game plan, which may include, um, you know, putting an end to our participation in the event and choosing to leave at that point. But people need to think about what's going to be healthy and appropriate for them. And especially if, if we're talking about a family and there's children involved, um, you know, how we're going to handle that um, on behalf of our kids too, and doing what's right for us as a family, not necessarily what we think everybody else expects from us. Yeah, I have to admit that in the past few years, I've opted out of a few events, a couple of events, because um, I couldn't be trusted to not say something to certain people. And it was hard. And, you know, people said they were disappointed that I wasn't coming. But I was like, look, it's not my event. I can't ask you not to invite this other person. But I don't want to be in the same room with this other person. And I might start trouble. So best if I stay home. Well, and that's a really legitimate and mature boundary to set. Um, and I think especially, you know, you mentioned 
um, at the opening of the political climate and a lot of things that have been going on have sort of exacerbated tensions in some families. And, you know, I've worked with some families over the last couple of years where there's some very legitimate reasons for them to set boundaries on not participating in things. Um, I'm thinking of one family in particular that has um, some children that they have adopted that are of a different race, and they have some people in their extended family who have uh, views that are very anti-transracial adoption, anti-anything related to people who are non-white. And that set of parents made a very, uh, I feel, wise decision to not participate in um, a family event at that holiday season because of things that had come up and they chose not to put their children in and themselves in that situation. And, And that's really appropriate in some cases. You know, and that comes down to the difference between people pleasing, which many of Mm -hmm. us do. And I think we do when we're younger. You know, we really want to please everyone, especially when your parents are still around. You know, you want the whole family together. And then as you get older and you realize, hey, you know, this is about me and my family and happiness. And, you know, you kind of learn to make that decision of do you people please and put yourself in an uncomfortable situation? Or do you just say, okay, I'm going to do what is right for us? Yeah, and I do think that gets easier for all of us as we get older. Um, I think that you're absolutely right about that. And and also there's differences in how we may um, think about handling that depending on the ages of our kids too. Sometimes it's easier with younger kids. They tend to be oblivious. But as kids, you know, our own children start to get older um, and become aware of more things, that can necessitate our awareness around things changing and, you know, making some different decisions. And it's so... Interesting. The holidays are supposed to be a time of, um, you know, feeling grateful, of doing things that we enjoy, of enjoying togetherness, you know, as a family or with friends that we enjoy. And unfortunately, so often because of our nature, which tends to be more people pleasing, we end up getting ourselves involved in lots of things at this time of year that don't bring us joy, that are not happy things for our family. And I really encourage families to get back to doing the things that allow you to enjoy the holiday season and enjoy the people that um, you want to be spending time with and create traditions and experiences with your children um, that are meaningful and valuable to you and don't feel obligated to, you know, drag yourselves around to fit in different things, most of which are going to bring stress and, you know, potentially heartache and other issues. So really prioritizing what the meaning and intent of the season is supposed to be and creating um, activities and traditions that that work for your family to be able to experience the goodness that we want to be experiencing at this time of year. Now, for me, um, it's not just one event. Um, I'm very lucky in that all of my siblings and and my mom, they're willing to spend their time and money coming to stay with me Mm. for holidays Mm -hmm. um, because I'm the one who has the room and they live all over the country. My children are college and high school age, so it's been quite a while since I've had to be around small children. And then every year, (laughs) I'm thrown back into that. Uh Um, And I don't always handle it well because, you know, the most of the kids who come and stay with us are are like young, young, Mm -hmm. like preschool age and, and young elementary school age. And on the on one hand, like, I don't want to be 
tense the entire time. Um, on the other hand, I do remember what it was like traveling with kids and, you know, how difficult it is to watch them in somebody else's house. I'm just wondering if you have some general tips about dealing with that when, when you have people coming to spend time with you who have kids who are in a totally different stage than yours and you're just not used to it. That's a great question because this comes up in lots of uh, families at this time of year. And I think my, my foundational piece of advice for this is to set realistic expectations in your own mind. <laughs> um, because so often our frustration, our disappointment, our, you know, uh, overwhelm with things can stem from we have a vision or an idea or an expectation of how it's going to be and then that doesn't happen. Um, so just setting realistic expectations of, hey, there are going to be additional challenges. Um, it may be louder at times, uh, you know, depending on um, what the dynamics are in terms of parenting that's going on. Uh, you know, I know that's a big thing that comes up in families, especially if different um, sets of parents have different approaches to parenting and behavior management um, and those kinds of things. So you kind of know, uh, especially if you've if you've done this before with you know uh, your siblings and their children, you kind of get a sense of what to expect in terms of that. And just taking a deep breath and going, okay, this is how this is going to be. Um, set the bar a little bit low, maybe in your mind, then you can be pleasantly um, surprised. And I think that these are situations where. We look for things, um, you know, as we can that are positive. Um, okay, I'm getting to spend time with them, even if it's not necessarily, you know, the way that I would do it. And then there's always the effective light at the end of the tunnel strategy, which is these, uh, you know, stays over the holidays have a set endpoint, and then we go back to um, our normal scheduled programming in our lives, and we won't have, you know, these other kids or people around forever. And so that can be uh, a good thing to keep in mind as well. It's a, it's a time limited sort of thing that we get to deal with. <laughs> I do need to keep that in mind. What do you do when someone starts talking about politics at the table, which, you know, often happens and you just know it's going to be, you know, start slinging mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes across the table. Yeah. These, and this has come up just more so in the last couple of years, especially, although I think, you know, some families, this has been a norm for a long time. I think to the extent that it's possible to have some pre-communication about these things, um, that can be helpful. So sometimes I will advise families to, hey, if you know there's the potential for this in the email thread, the chat string, the Facebook, you know, message, whatever it is that people, the family is using to communicate about making plans, it's appropriate ahead of time, um, you know, to put something out there that says, hey, really looking forward to spending time with everyone. Um, let's, you know, keep to uh, positive things to talk about. I think it would be best to, you know, avoid contentious conversations and even just putting it out there ahead of time um, can be helpful. Regardless, even sometimes when you do that, there's people who are going to bring that stuff up anyway. And I think this is where pre-thinking about what your response is going to be, you know, it's appropriate to set a boundary and say things like, um, you know, let's let's talk about something that we can all 
enjoy talking about or let's save the politics for, you know, private conversations after dinner or even just saying I'm not comfortable, um, you know, talking about that right now and then changing the conversation, especially if somebody's being forceful about it. It's very appropriate to set a firm boundary and to just say I'm not going to participate in that and as graciously as possible, um, you know, try to change the subject to something else because the reality is most people around the table are going to be uncomfortable with that and are going to be grateful for um, somebody stepping in and trying to, you know, shift the focus to a different topic. How do you prepare your children for these tense situations? You know, that they, they might not pick up on it when they're little, like you mentioned before, but they do understand those tensions or, yeah. um, I'm just going to speak from my own experience. Like it can build tension in the parents, like that, you know, if you're, especially if you're at your in-laws house or you know, everyone's at your, in your parents' house, whatever the dynamic is that, you know, kids who just tend to be the grandkids. So like they're beloved, but then they tend, you know, they get all this other gist of like this fervor going on. And as they get older, it becomes more obvious to them. How do you prepare them for, you know, that, that dinner or that vacation where you're staying there like Amy's like Amy's, <laughs> Amy's little kids you know niece and nephews running around realizing that like Aunt Amy's getting tired of them <laughs> well you're right that kids do even young kids pick up on the dynamics of that right they may not understand when they're little all the content involved in that but they pick up on tension from mom and dad you know uh, relational things between adults and so I think just being open and honest about it to the extent that it's um, age appropriate for them, you know, um, saying to young kids, um, you know, sometimes, you know, the adults at Thanksgiving dinner don't always have the same ideas about things, or sometimes, you know, uncle so-and-so can get loud, or, you know, sometimes there's some uncomfortable things and, um, here's how we handle that. And just, you know, saying that we love everybody who's there. We don't all have to agree. And, you know, if there's an argument, if this happens, and we're just going to stay focused on the positive things and we're just going to um, stay out of it, you know, encouraging kids that none of those arguments or tense things are their fault and it's not their responsibility to try to keep people happy or do something about that. Because sometimes you have kids with certain personality types who feel like they need to fix it or may, you know, put the, the responsibility on themselves, uh, you know, if people are getting upset. And as they get older, having more frank conversations about differences in views and the fact that in families, um, you know, I always say, um, we love each other, but we don't always like each other, right? And that that can happen, you know, boy, I love, my cousin so-and-so, but I don't like um, the way that they handle some of these things, or I don't like it when they behave in this way. Um, and so having those conversations as kids get older, and if you have more of a feisty kiddo um, as they get older who has a tendency to insert themselves into <laughs> those conversations or, um, you know, want to say things, you have, uh, you know, a discussion about what's appropriate or not appropriate or how they want to handle that. You know, some parents are totally fine with their older kids jumping into the fray and standing up for themselves and others, you know, want to take more of the stance of let's just, you know, get through this dinner. Let's not, you know, make a big deal out of it. But having some of those conversations with older kids ahead of time is definitely helpful. What are things you recommend for, you know, people who might be hosting a lot of people over where there are a lot of kids, maybe of different ages, but they haven't really seen each other all year. You know, maybe these are cousins who live across the country from each other. Um, and more so, 
I guess when it spans ages, it's actually a little easier sometimes because like the older ones will help with the younger ones or whatever. But sometimes when they're closer in age, it's more awkward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, what are your tips on that? I think that especially if there's going to be several kids around from uh, who don't spend a lot of time around each other, having some activities or things available doesn't mean you have to make complicated Pinterest worthy, you know, crafts or games or those kinds of things, Um, you know, but just having some uh, age appropriate activities, maybe there, you know, is a, a craft type of thing, or even, you know, coloring pages or something set up, maybe there's a couple of, um, you know, toys or things, uh, board games, you know, depending on the ages, things that they can do together. Because often when kids can get the ball rolling by, you know, starting to play a game together or doing an activity together, then they kind of get on a roll and they just take off and go with it. But I think having some kind of um, activity or something, you know, for them to do to kind of break the ice and and connect with each other is a great thing, depending on the part of the country that people live in. You know, here in Michigan, the weather can be pretty cold um, and even snowy um, for sure at the holidays. So playing outside isn't always an option. But, you know, that sometimes is a great way um, for kids to reconnect and, and you know, kind of take off and do things together, send them outside um, to do things. But I think helping them have something structured um, to kind of get going with, especially if one or more of the kids is really shy or anxious, or maybe um, you have one or two kids who doesn't know the others, um, you know, having some ways to break the ice uh, to get things started, I think is is a helpful strategy. My awesome sister-in-law usually brings a simple craft for the younger kids. And it's not even like because of awkwardness with the kids. It's more It's that period of time after dinner when the adults are all exhausted and in a food coma and the kids are getting hyper and, you know, it kind of, it settles them and gives them something, something to focus on at that really frustrating time when you just want to like lay around and moan with your dessert. Yep. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great strategy. Um, And there's even, there's simple things like, um, you know, some families will do, you can find online like simple um, scavenger hunt kinds of things, just things that are easy that keep kids occupied. Um, because it is true, like even the dinner portion of these things, you know, adults tend to like to sit around and eat more slowly and talk and all that. The kids are done eating quickly and then they're like, now I want something to do. And mm-hmm. so just having some things available helps to cut down on behavior management issues, you know, those kinds of frustrations. So yeah, that, that crafts and things like that are a great idea. I think these are such good suggestions. Um, I'm going to put some into <laughs> practice right. this year. Me too. And Amy and Andrea, I think we all are. It's, it's definitely <laughs> better than my advice of stuff the turkey with Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's always that when all else fails. Uh... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like because wine can have the opposite effect. Like that's the other yeah. thing is sort of limiting the alcohol at the dinners can can really help, I think. Well, that's such an interesting thing because, um, yeah, people, we tend to joke about that, right? Like, oh, make sure that we've got, you know, plenty of wine or things like that. And alcohol is interesting because in the short term, it feels like a good strategy, right? Um, but then uh, over the longer term of spending time together over an afternoon or evening, that can go badly, especially, you know, uh, some people are more sensitive to the mood altering effects of that. What can start out with, you know, one or two drinks is kind of mellowing people out can easily turn 
into some people in the gathering uh, completely losing their filter, becoming more irritable, more angry, hostile, you know, things like that. So, so alcohol in the mix with these kinds of um, events can uh, can definitely uh, pose some problems, especially the the more that people drink, for sure. Oh, that's so helpful. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Brookins, for being here today. And we will have a link to your website and everything up so people can see all the resources. I know you have so many resources on your site. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And it's really exciting. And thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It was really helpful. Such a pleasure to be here with you, ladies. Thank you. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? I have a fun one. Um, so you know my love of Muppets, um, but I also don't like things having to do with astrology because I just think it's kind of stupid. But then I came across a Twitter user named Ella Mariska who um, did all of the zodiac signs as Muppets. And it's just, I, I can't judge the other ones because I don't know enough about astrology, but she nailed Libra, all right? So Libra is Scooter, which is just perfect. Super smart, but not the best when it comes to social situations. Book smart, but not at your best out in the real world. Never really knows what to say. Has a bad habit of inadvertently making things worse. <laughs> what? Really determined to help friends and tries your best, which is just, that's it's it's perfect. Um, so, Rebecca, when's your birthday? March 4th. March 4th. So, Rebecca, yours is Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. <laughs> Talented and tireless. Really dependent on your friends. Can make anything happen if you try hard enough. Can be kind of silly, airheaded, strung out. That doesn't sound like you. No, it doesn't sound like me at all. But it's all good. Your chillness is part of your allure. That sounds no. like you. Really? <laughs> I don't know how chill I am, but okay. <laughs> and outwardly. everything should be legal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that, that gets you like two-thirds. It's not as not as much as mine. Um, Andrea, when's your birthday? Virgo, baby. August 30th. I was going to say, you can't just say Virgo because I have no <laughs> idea what that means. <laughs> All right. August 30th. Okay. Oh, you're Kermit. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I love Kermit. <laughs> a bit naive. <laughs> a born people pleaser. Oh, yeah. Tries to remain in control, but not exactly good at it. Oh, I don't think that's true. Nailed it. <laughs> Can be an effective leader sometimes. Wants everyone to get along. Can't be shy and reticent. I don't know if no. that's you. Hmm. <laughs> but also determined in pursuing success and lots of good ideas. That one, definitely. Yeah. So I don't, you know, like but so much of that also just talks to the middle child syndrome, oh, you know, interesting. people pleasing, wanting everyone to get along. Did you ever see the experiment they did about astrology where they took a college class? I think it was on like a 60 minute segment years and years ago and they distributed a description and then they asked they said, you know, we we knew all of your signs. We had your birth dates going in. We're sending this out to you. So tell us if it hits. And everyone said, yes, this is me. And they all had the same one. 
<laughs> that's so funny like i look at those and i'm like yeah there are one or two from each of them that could apply to me right. but the libra ones for set like for somebody who isn't really into astrology like every single thing that i ever read about libra i'm like 100 percent libra uh, and i am definitely everything you like i would say eight out of ten of the things for kermit and, and virgo is me now on the other hand my husband is also a libra and we're totally different so i don't know how that works um, yeah my girls are nothing like what their sign is like really not it's funny it's they're totally not um so they don't enjoy astrology like i tell them all the time like it's entertainment like it's just fun because they always make fun of me like when my monthly horoscope comes out on astrology zone because i love susan miller because <laughs> i've been read her since i was a teenager and i'm like it's free and i always read it and they're like do you care i'm like no the second i read it i forget everything she wrote and it's really the same every month <laughs> it's like she's kind of like a cheerleader is kind of what it is and it's, i never remember a single thing it's like tarot um, cards it's, entertainment. it's, yes, it's like just it's getting you to kind of think about things but right the really funny thing is my, both my mom and my daughter are taurus and um yeah they're totally both tauruses and it's always like an insulting trait oh that's so funny that's what my <laughs> girls are and they're nothing like it like they're just there's nothing, but all right. Well, that's cool. I'm sure people will very much enjoy. <laughs> Andrea, what do you have? Well, mine is not a new gadget, but it is a beloved gadget. And I'm bringing this up now because I can't tell you at least three times a week, somebody compliments me on my watch. So I still wear a watch. I know millennials don't really wear watches anymore. They use their phone. Well, Rebecca once said in an episode that like nobody wears a watch anymore and you and I were both wearing watches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wear I feel like I'm naked if I go out without my watch. Um, but I think it was last year I found the, um, the Withings. So Withings is a company that makes a lot of health and fitness gadgets. They make my connected scale. They make a, a really good um, thermometer, digital thermometer and blood pressure monitor. And they make smartwatches. Um, and it's a hybrid smartwatch. So it looks like a watch and it's gorgeous and it has interchangeable bands. And um, like I, I bought a black leather band to go to wear out at night, but it's also got it like a, a gray silicon band that I can wear to the gym. But here's the deal. It's the Withings hybrid smartwatch. It's called Steel HR. It does everything that you need in a smartwatch while it looks like a real watch. It gives me my calories, my steps, my distance. If it's in my, if my phone is in my bag, it will show who's calling me. It will show who's texting me and show me the first line of the text message. Um, it's got an alarm. It's water resistant. It's got continuous heart rate. So if I'm at the gym, I can track my heart rate. It syncs with my scale. So sadly, you know, I can look up. It all goes into the app. <laughs> Unfortunately, it syncs with your scale. And I love this. And I just take it for granted that it does all this and looks like a beautiful watch. Um, and we'll have to post a picture of it. But it's just got this, this black circle on the top. And that's where all your messages come through. But it's it's blank when you're, when you're not getting a message. Um, and... I just love it, and I get so many compliments on it that I thought I would uh, give it a shout out. It's affordable at one seventy nine, nowhere near an Apple Watch. And I, you know, as techie as I am, I just don't feel the need for an for an Apple Watch. I just don't need to be that connected. I like to have a nice looking, um, not jewelry, but kind of like a fashionable watch that does everything I want. That's the great thing about the Withings stuff because I, I mean, I love my Fitbit and. I, I 
have to have it on me somewhere, but like sometimes I just want to wear a watch, you know, like, yeah. like as kind of as jewelry, especially if I'm dressing up. And if you have a Withings one, you really don't have to choose. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I went on and I bought the extra bands because it's so easy to swap them out. And so you really can dress it up, dress it down, dress it to the gym. Um, so I'm really loving it. And I love when people compliment me on it. I will make sure to do that next time I see you. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, it's cool. It's funny. I feel like there are two camps. There are the people who want their smartwatch to look like a smartwatch. And then there are the people who want everyone to know they're wearing an Apple right. watch. Yes. Like, right? Like the Apple is is like purposefully looks like what it looks like so that it's a status symbol. But those people maybe don't even need everything that the Apple Watch does. Whereas when I say to someone, when they say, wow, that's a really pretty watch, I say, thanks. It's a smartwatch, you know, and they're shocked. They're like, where? What are you talking about? And I show them like, here, text me, you know, and their name flashes across my watch screen. and, And they're just like, oh, my God, I have to have that. Yeah, that's cool. Because it's so subtle. Right. Like I want I want my Fitbit to do everything that it does, but I want it to look like a watch watch, which it very much, it looks more like an Apple watch. I don't like that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. Um, my bite this week is an anti-review, or that's what the woman who wrote this is <laughs> calling it. It's a CNET article called No One Should Buy the Facebook Portal TV. Mm-hmm. And in over six years of testing tech, this is a first for me. Her name is Megan Wollerton, and she wrote an entire article about how it's an anti-review because it's not about the tech, which is perfectly fine. It's about the fact that the company behind it cannot be trusted. Interesting. She's their top smart home uh, gadget reviewer. Yep. And she is saying, do not buy it. The, The company itself is too problematic. We don't know what they're doing privacy-wise, with our data, with anything. And she said, it's not worth it. It's not worth inviting a microphone and camera into your home from a company that is notoriously terrible with people's privacy. And it's really interesting. And she says, too, like even things like the fact that, you know, they have the daily caller is going to be one of their things. I mean, just it's crazy. So she says just, you know, don't do it. <laughs> um, and I thought it was just a really interesting review because I think it's the first time someone is saying, forget about the tech. Um, you have to think about who owns this device and what, why they want this device in your home and what they're doing with and it. And that's so interesting because, you know, a lot of people have the, um, the Google Nest Hub or the Lenovo smart displays, which are beautiful that have Google Assistant in them, or, you know, even the Amazon Echo and Echo Show, and they've got cameras, and you can make video calls. And I know people are already worried about Amazon and Google in terms of your privacy, and there's there have been issues. But I think that Facebook now is so known for playing fast and loose with your privacy and your data, and who they're partnering with that, um, you know, to take a stand like that is really, really a big step. Yeah, and important, because I think that's the kind of pressure that will start to be exerted that will actually start to have an effect unless the government actually steps in and does something. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, yeah. you know how sometimes you get those um, Facebook polls in your feed from Facebook where they want to know about something? And I got one a long time ago about Portal asking, you know, would you buy a Portal? And I put no. And they said, why wouldn't you buy a Portal? And I said, because it's from Facebook. 
Like it had nothing to do with what the portal actually does. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't want more of that. I don't want them with a camera in my house. There's something about the fact, and Google, right, Google's selling all of your information also for advertising purposes. Mm -hmm. Amazon's using it for their own purposes. Which is as fine with me. Well, and it's still <laughs> nefarious, definitely. Um, but it doesn't feel the same as selling it to third parties that you don't know that are now. Right. I kind of I feel know. like if they're using it to make themselves smarter, to make their AI better, you know, if, I feel like we're just all some sort of big experiment anyway. We're all gerbil. We're all like Amy's guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a big experiment. And if this is helping, you know, to make to make the tech better and it's anonymized, I'm okay with that. Although there's a big case to be made and people are making it, then shouldn't you be paid? No. So if you are participating in R&D, <laughs> essentially, if you were doing a clinical trial of a drug, you would be paid, Right. Um, so, I mean, unless you are in one of those clinical trials where you're like, have a disease that desperately needs it, but you know, a lot of people go in, they do these trials, they do different things in hospitals, you're paid. And so who's profiting when that tech is getting better? A private company. But look at what you're getting. I mean, even with Google, you know, I don't know where I would be if I couldn't open up my laptop, log into Chrome and have all my bookmarks and have all my passwords remembered. Honestly. In exchange for that, they're showing you ads. Right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to somehow be paid for that, right? To have profit share in the advertising or to, in some respect, like there is a movement because it's your inform information is now currency. And you're giving it away for convenience, but at a certain point, right. you're literally just enriching <laughs> the, the most powerful private companies with your personal information um, and hoping they're doing the right thing with it. It's really, it's when you give it, when you think about it, I mean, look, we saw how things were used against everyone in the last election. Right. Um, right. How all these, you know, seemingly innocuous polls were actually gathering information to better target you by Russian trolls. And it makes me crazy when my friends like answer these things like, what actress do you look like? I'm like, stop oh, doing that, please. Right. Please don't stop do that. Stop uploading your photos for facial recognition. Yes. Um, so anyway, it's a really good article and something to think about if that's something you were thinking about buying um, this holiday season or this coming Black Friday. Maybe don't. So we won't include it in our holiday gift guide. <laughs> no, we will not be including it. But I, but it just gives you pause. I mean, certainly buy one if you want to buy one. But it's it's something to think about that I think people haven't um, and are beginning to. So anyway, that is our show for today. We will have links to everything we talked about on our show page at facebook.com slash parentingbites and parentingbites.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. We always love to hear from you. Leave us comments on our Facebook page, or you can private message us. You can ask us questions, raise issues, let us know something interesting that you've read or watched or seen recently. And that's it. Until next week, have a very happy upcoming Thanksgiving <laughs> and happy parenting. Bye. 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 Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.